Welcome to the first episode of the Freedom and Thought podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and most of you probably know me from the Freedom and Thought YouTube channel or blog. Today's guest is Jay, who runs the Med School Insiders blog and YouTube channel. Together, we discuss our top three favorite productivity or study hacks. If you're listening to this on YouTube, it's also available on the iTunes store and on SoundCloud, so feel free to go to the platform of your choice. This episode is really a test to see if you guys would like a podcast from me. The podcast would essentially be in the same vein as the YouTube channel and answer the question of how we can live a better life. I can do that by sharing insights from books and research or by conducting interviews with people. So please tweet at me or leave a comment letting me know what you think of the podcast and whether you think I should proceed with it. I'd like to apologize in advance for my overuse of the words right and like, and now I hope you enjoy the show. By the way, this episode was recorded when Freedom and Thought was still called Engineering Worth, so anytime you hear the words Engineering Worth, just substitute it with Freedom and Thought. All right, Jay, welcome to the first episode of the Engineering Worth podcast. So for the audience that doesn't know you, why don't you tell them a bit about yourself? Sure thing, Justin. So my name is Jay. I run a YouTube channel and a blog called Med School Insiders. What we're trying to do is essentially help students, whether college, medical, pre-med, etc., with study habits, productivity, and just life in general. Awesome. I guess like I've never really talked about myself to my audience that much. So I studied mechanical engineering at the University of Alberta. I graduated in May of 2016. And now I am working at a local startup doing um, just doing local mechanical design work. And then most of you probably know me from the blog and the YouTube channel. So me and Jay agreed to do this first episode. We were going to talk about our top three study and productivity hacks um, that helped us and were the most resourceful to us in school. And so I guess I'll, I'll start with the first study hack. The first for me was the concept of deep work. And for people who don't know that, that's essentially working in silence with no distractions, no phones, no tabs open on the internet that you don't need and just allowing your brain to fall into a complete state of flow. So I don't know about you, Jay, and if you're familiar with uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport and um, that whole whole method of working. So uh, what do you think? Justin, that is a great suggestion. I actually read Cal Newport's Deep Work after you made a oh, video yeah. on it, and it was an amazing book. Um, there are times where I definitely got into flow states when I was in Deep Work in the past, and the amount of work and your efficiency is just a totally different level. And yeah, I'm now yeah. trying to be able to create a routine where I can replicate that. Exactly. I find myself actually, like I use it a lot in school, but I use it a lot now that I'm in my working life too. I really try to structure my day around doing as much deep work as I can, like coming home from work and then shutting off everything I can and just getting down to writing or making videos. Because since I've started working I only have like uh, two or three hours in the day max to start working on engineering worth. And so I really got to maximize those hours. So I still find myself using deep work. But on top of that, I think uh, being in the state of flow makes you happier and enjoy your work more. I, I don't know what you think, but that, that's how I feel when I'm in a state of flow. I enjoy the work a lot more. Oh, definitely. It's much more fun, much more rewarding. I'm actually very curious how you implement deep work <clears throat> daily in your routines like do you have a certain time of day where you say okay no more cell phone use no more social media what are your actual concrete steps to help you achieve those those sessions of deep work i used to start work at around i think um eight o'clock and then i'd go till around 4 30 right uh, i work at a startup though so it's pretty chill so i got that moved to 10 o'clock so i start at 10 now and what i do is i wake up at six and i work till eight right 
And I think I talked about this in one of my videos. I called it a power hour. And it's essentially where I have a desk near my bed, right? So I can roll up right out of bed and I can start working right away. So that's pretty much how I implement deep work. I get out of bed and the first thing I do, like before brushing, showering, getting ready, anything, I just go to my desk and I start working. I start writing or I start animating or I record the script, whatever whatever work I have next. And since I, like, I haven't had time to really look at texts or social media, I find that I'm able to uh, fall into a state of flow a lot easier. Very cool. So I'm I'm also curious now, we might be getting a little bit off topic, but what's what else is in your morning routine? So what I do is like a lot of people have like crazy routines, right? Like they run or they eat cereal or they meditate or they do like whatever, right? But the only thing I do in the mornings is I roll out of bed and I do that deep work routine. Like I'll write my script or I'll um, do some animations, but I don't really have like a set crazy amount of routines that I do. My morning routine is really simple. So what about you? Interesting. I'm definitely a man of habit. So every morning, first thing I do, I get up, I go use the bathroom, I, you know, brush my teeth, get ready. Then the next thing I do is I have this 10 minute yoga stretching routine Mm. that just helps me helps get my body ready for the day. Otherwise, sometimes I have these aches and pains. So that helps me gets me that helps to get me limber. Right. And after that, I eat and then I get to my work. And just having that routine, I know how long everything is going to take. Um, it just helps organize and, and start the day off with some momentum, I guess. Right. No, I, I agree. Like it's a good morning routine does give you momentum. I don't know if I agree with like a lot of the advice out there that you have to meditate or that you have to exercise. I feel like you just have to do just have some sort of small success in the day that will like carry forward. What do you think? I agree. I don't think everyone has to do any specific thing. It's it's whatever works best for you. So I was actually just listening to a podcast today from yeah. Art of Manliness. Okay. And it was about one. how making your bed is so important and, and so critical for success. I haven't finished the podcast yet, but it's right. about starting the day off with these small successes. You know, if you start the day off, the first thing you do is make your bed. You're You're setting yourself up for a good day. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that idea. So you make your bed every day? Dude, I don't make my bed at all because <laughs> I think I've actually read studies where that like a messier bed makes you more comfortable. I'm using that as an excuse now to not make my bed. Totally I just excuse. don't like making my bed, but, you know, maybe it makes me more comfortable, too. So I don't know. Fair. I think, yeah, <laughs> you just don't like making your bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not the small that's not the small win I want in the morning. Fair, fair. I, I sometimes do it. Sometimes I don't. I really like the way it looks because. I'm a, I'm a neat freak, but... No, no, I agree. I'm a neat freak too, just not with my bed. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So should I get on to the next right, tip? Yeah. What's, your, what's your first uh, good study hack? So my first study hack, this one totally revolutionized how I studied in medical school, oh, yeah. and that was the Pomodoro technique. Oh, that's a good one. So by using the Pomodoro technique, you are splitting up your studying into chunks, and it helps for a lot of reasons. First of all, procrastination. The hardest right. part is just starting, right? Mm-hmm. So with Pomodoro, you just grab your phone, you say, hey, let me set a timer for 25 minutes, and you just start. And you say, for 25 minutes, which isn't that long, right? Right. For 25 minutes, I'm just going to do this one task. And once you do start, you realize it's not so bad, and 25 minutes flies by. And then your timer goes off, you take a five-minute break, and then you go again. And this helped me overcome procrastination this helped me maintain focus for longer periods of time and help me not burn out 
because sometimes what I would do is when I would get into the zone, I could study for an hour or two, but there would be a point where I would start to get mentally fatigued. Right. So with the Pomodoro technique, you're taking these five minute breaks, um, you do 25, five, 25, five, a total of four times. Mm-hmm. And then after those four cycles, you take a longer break, maybe 20 minutes. And what this helped me do was to pace myself and I could then study for the whole day and not feel burned out. Right. No, I totally agree. I think we've both done videos on the Pomodoro technique, which like if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched those, I'll link to both of them in the show notes. But I think the the great thing about the Pomodoro technique is is exactly what you said. Like it helped me not burn out. I realized before I would get like you said, again, mental fatigue, like I would just keep studying and studying. And it wasn't really, I, I didn't have any time, like an, a certain length of time that I'd study for or a length of time I'd take a break for. So I'd kind of just study till I get tired. And then like, I would feel that my focus would be totally like declining through that time as well. Right. But when I started implementing the Pomodoro technique, I felt I could focus better in those 25 minute blocks and then take a break and just the act of putting structured breaks throughout my day reduced my stress. And then like, I think the 25 minute blocks of work also helped me become more focused. Like when I was taking tests and stuff, because when it's such a short period of time, 25 minutes, you really like, you can focus hard and then you, you develop your ability to focus and like do deep work, right. Going back to the first hack. And um, so I think that technique, yeah, it lowered my stress and it helped me focus better as well. Absolutely. So we'll move on to my second study hack. My second one is quitting time. So that's where you pick a time each day and you don't work after that time. And this is a hack that also um, helped me focus a lot more in a certain period of time, but also not feel stressed. So like I have a habit of allowing my work to bleed into everything else in my life. Like I'll be working until a certain amount of time and then like I I just like maybe bedtime will come up and then I'll stop working and then I, I'll still be thinking about work and then I can't go to sleep and then I don't get a good sleep and then it's like the next day and I'm working again, right? But having that time where I quit each day, it's like I know the amount of time I have to study for so I can really focus in that time. But then when I'm when that time's up, I let I let the work go and then I, I can focus on other things that also matter to me in life like working out or just relaxing and unwinding for the day, right? So it allowed me to live a more balanced lifestyle. Justin, I love that tip. I need to implement that more. Right. I have noticed for myself that, I, so, so, so I like keeping myself busy. And right. on those days where I have a lot to do, and let's say, hey, I'm, I'm hanging out with so-and-so at 6 p.m., mm-hmm. I'm going to be so much more efficient with my time leading up to that. And what you're essentially doing is you're putting that deadline every single day, not just on your busy days. Right. So I'm going to try doing that. My problem too is, you know, after I, I let's say I'm, I'm doing it, you know, whether it's a social event or something else, when I come back home, sometimes I still want to get back to work. And there are times where I get very excited about my work. I say, oh, I have this great video idea or, oh, you know, I have this research idea. And I, I plow through it. And then next thing I know, it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And then the following day, I lose that momentum because I'm burned out. I got low sleep, et cetera. Right, right. And, you know, like another thing is that I'll, I'll do this. I'll do a similar thing. I'd come home and maybe I'd work. Uh, I'd study until like 10 p.m., right? But the thing is, I, I wouldn't want to lose that momentum, right? I'm already studying. So I'll, I'll study till 2 a.m., right? But then what ended up happening is like I would sleep in then the next day, right? And then I would feel like um, I'd start. 
uh, I don't know, all these inefficiencies would start adding up. But I realized like when I have the quitting time over the long term, let's say like the period of a week, maybe I study four hours a day, like the total amount of time I studied will actually be more than when I go through those really long stretches of time, just because I'm, I'm more disciplined, and I'm doing the same amount each day. And I'm doing it with like a lot more intensity each day, because I'm allowing, allowing myself to unwind um, every day after I'm done working as well. Interesting. I like that. I'm going to try doing that, Justin. I'm going to try to imp- implement a quitting time for myself daily. Yeah, awesome. Try it out. Let me know uh, how, how it goes. Absolutely. You mentioned discipline, right. which leads me to my second tip, which oh, is build your discipline. Discipline is like a muscle requiring regular exercise. And what I mean is that if you practice discipline daily in one aspect, it will translate to other areas as well. So For example, if you go to the gym every single day and let's say you're really on point with your diet, um, you're always getting your sleep, that will not only build your discipline and you will get great results, but it's going to help you study too because it's not just the stress relief and having a clear mind, but you're now disciplined and you understand that even when I don't feel like it, even when it's difficult, I need to do this task I set out. So things like sitting down and studying, even when you want to, you know, watch TV or go on Facebook, those will become easier with time. I think building discipline is a huge secret to success. I love that one. I actually agree, right? I want I want to dig deeper into this idea of discipline. <clears throat> For me, I feel like discipline is actually the key to freedom, right? Like a lot of people think when they think of structure or discipline they think they're losing freedom like um oh i, I gotta wake up um at eight every day and i gotta go to school until this time and then i gotta work for one hour and like when people feel that they're very disciplined and structured or like people that i've encountered they feel like uh they feel like robots or like they're losing freedom but i feel like discipline gives you it gives you more freedom because like you have a totally. you have a list of things you want to do and then you're you're moving structured towards them and i don't know you feel a lot more fulfilled and happy like be, because you're doing the things you really want to do right like w- when we when we want to have disciplines it's usually like i want to get in shape right or i want to i want to get better grades and i want to study every day and so but it's like the day to day is a hard thing to do but discipline allows you to like really move towards the difficult goals that you want to move towards you hit the nail on the head right there justin right. spot on i love how you're saying that discipline increases your freedom because it really it really does you're able to do what you want to do you're not controlled by your emotions by your urges mm-hmm. and i think people who are fearful of the constraint of having these routines mm-hmm. are usually people who don't have that much discipline themselves right because these routines when you're actually in them they're not limiting at all they're empowering they increase your efficiency they agree, let you do yeah. what you want to do they make you feel better overall yeah, no, I agree. I really enjoy practicing discipline in like all areas. Like even if I'm planning a vacation, like I like having the structure. And I think there's there's studies that actually show this. I talked about it in my deep work uh, video. There was, I believe he was a Swedish or a Hungarian psychologist. I think his name was uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi or something. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Have you heard that name? He wrote the I book think- Flow. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I, I'm familiar. And uh, yeah, the study they found that people are happier when they have structured time because we, we feel accomplished and we feel good when we when we set out to do something and we have some sort of end goal, right? Like you'll be happier 
you'll be happier even if you plan on a Saturday to watch like five episodes of Netflix and like you you planned that and you achieved it, right? Versus if you were just lazing around and just like kind of going with the flow and doing something. It's just like you you feel like you're not really accomplishing anything. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. I, I feel that myself. When I go on vacations, I usually like to plan out in great detail what I want to do, what I want to see. Mm-hmm. And what I've actually been trying to do recently is to go more with the flow when I'm on vacation because right. I feel that it I feel that it reduces stress. Right. I think that maybe it'll, I'm hoping that it allows me to recharge more fully. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, though. You said that you practice a structure even when you're on vacation. What do you mean by right. that? OK, OK. I, I did want to dig deeper into that because I felt like I didn't explain it properly. What I mean by implementing structure into something like my, by my vacation is that I enjoy scheduling break times, right? So like I'll chill from six to seven, but what I do within that time is up to me. Do you also schedule what you're going to do during that break? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, right? Like I think during my last year of school, what I did was like I I, I was really focused between uh, doing homework and like I was doing the Pomodoro technique like every day up until bed, right? And um, I would, on my five minute breaks, I was playing like a lot of Halo. I'd play like a quick game of Halo and then like on my 30 minute break, I would play like a longer one, right? During that time, I was scheduling like video games in between uh, my breaks. Nowadays, um, I don't know, it really depends on the day and like where I'm at. I don't know. I like it. I'm definitely going to try to implement more structure because I think it's a, a spectrum. You don't want too much. You don't want too little. Having too little structure, which I recently went to Europe. I was in Berlin and having that lack of structure does make me feel a little uneasy and I'm trying to push my boundaries. On the other hand, I was in Hawaii a few months ago for a conference and during Mm -hmm. one of the days off, I I left my hotel room at 7 a.m. and I had like everything planned out, how long it takes to drive from this location to that location. And because I had only one day, I wanted to make sure I saw everything on this island and it was the big island. So it takes a decent amount of time. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got back, it was 10 p.m., so it was like a 15-hour day. I had seen so many things, but I was so drained. I'm like, okay, this is not really worth it to also be so structured, so regimented. So I think there has to be a happy medium, and I'm still trying to figure that out. Right, right. I, I totally know what you mean, man. Sometimes I go on vacations, and like it's all planned out, and I've seen everything, but I come back, and I feel like I still feel tired, right? And you feel like the point of a vacation should be to recharge and relax sometimes. Absolutely. But um, still on that note, the thing is, I still believe in like structure, but the thing is I structure, I structure spontaneity, right? Like people like spontane being spontaneous, right? So I'll still maybe like, um, today what I'm going to do is I'm going to record this podcast. I'm going to work till probably five. And then after five, I'm going to go chill with my girlfriend. Right. So it's kind of structured, but what we do in that time isn't really set. But do you know what I mean? Like I still, I'm still planning these things on a certain day and at a certain time. I like that. So you're, I do something similar, which is I also plan out work and play because I think it's very important to do one or the other. Right. When you're trying to combine both, you know, I know some people who will do work while sitting on the couch with the TV in the background. Right. I think that's the same. That totally defeats the purpose in my mind. Do one or the other. And that way you will maximize your time. So I, I love that. I do the same thing. For example, today, at 2 p.m., I'm out of here. I'm not working again for the rest of the day. Right. That's a quitting time, man. That, there's a quitting time. <laughs> there you go. So you action. said you were going to practice it, but you already do, man. 
Thank you, Justin. Right. Subconsciously, I'm affecting you to schedule quitting times without me telling you about them. Love it. Okay, so that I guess that was your second tip that we just finished, right? Self self discipline. That's right. That was a crazy tangent. I uh, felt like, but um, okay. So coming back to my third hack, my third hack is active learning, and I'll include uh, the Feynman technique in it, right? So when I say active learning, I'm talking about actually doing the me- hard mental work of trying to learn something. So. That's it's it's contrasted to passive learning. Passive learning may be something like writing a flashcard, whereas active learning will be something like uh, practicing the flashcard. And then once Justin, I, yeah. I think that even making a, a flashcard and writing it right. is still a form of active learning because you have to determine what's important and what's not. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. For I, I guess it depends how you're writing the flashcard, right? Sometimes like maybe you have like a page with all the words and definitions already and you're just transferring information to flashcards, which is a lot of what I did, like information that I already had, but I was just transferring it onto a card. I see, like copy paste. Like copy paste, exactly. So so maybe I think that's kind of different just because I know you're in med and probably like a lot more thought goes into crafting your flashcards than for whatever I did. But, but let's say reading the textbook then, like, I mean, you can actively read the textbook too. What's like a good example of something that's really passive? What would you say? I, I think, I think how you explained it is, is perfect. Actually, yeah. if you are making flashcards, that's just copy paste. Right. Yeah. It's more of a passive process. If you are reading a textbook and, you know, not, um, making an effort to create some active learning forms from that, then right. also that's going to be very passive. Right. So, so I, totally, I totally agree with what you're saying. I, I guess this is a good point to make, right? Like passive and active, it, it's really just, it's like a mental switch of trying to just do the mental, the mental work of putting the information really in your brain and like building the connections and the understanding, right? So you could passively be writing flashcards, like I was saying, or you could be actively focusing on what makes the best flashcard and how do you make it? And like, uh, what's like, how can I really understand and condense this topic to put it on the flashcard in like a simple way or something, right? Exactly. And so like making this distinction between active and passive learning was like a huge, um, huge, like uh, pivotal point to me. I think I, I think I saw an early video of Cal Newport mention it. And then like ever since I've been trying to maximize the amount of active learning I do and try to minimize the amount of passive learning I do. Right. So like I'll go and I'll do homework problems first before I like read the text or the notes. And then I'll, I'll, I'll refer to those to help me keep doing the active learning of like doing the problems. And um, I just wanted to throw the Feynman technique in with this. I don't think I've done a video on this like directly. I know you have one, which I can link to the show notes. And um, the Feynman technique is pretty much when you you try to explain the concept like you're explaining it to a five-year-old. So the idea is if if you truly understand the concept, you should be able to explain it to a five-year-old. So yeah, just this idea of learning actively and like practicing techniques like the Feynman technique to really build that understanding. I think that was a huge uh, study hack for me. What do you think? Uh, definitely. That I, I wish I knew it in college because I think I would have been so much more efficient. Uh, I did a lot of passive learning when I was in college. I would have a PowerPoint and just, you know, take notes on it during lecture and then right. just read the PowerPoint time and time and time again. And that was just so in, incredibly inefficient. Right. And I agree with what you're saying, you know, for flashcards. Um, one of the one of the reasons that I tell people to make their own flashcards versus downloading someone else's deck is because you do learn 
quite a bit during the active learning process if you are putting thought into your flashcards. Okay, what's important? How do I word this? How do I um, quiz myself in the future to recall this important piece of information? Because you want to you want to be learning when you're doing flashcards, not just finding patterns and you know memorizing mm -hmm. the wrong things. So even textbooks, for example, how can you make that an active learning process? One thing I like to do was after I read a section, summarize the key points to myself in my head or mm -hmm. just write it out as notes. Because if you if you highlight, that's kind of passive. If you just copy paste or take screenshots or type things out verbatim, that's also more passive. One right. thing that was pivotal in, in my understanding of active learning versus passive learning is that active learning is supposed to be difficult. I agree, I agree. It's not supposed to be easy. So it's not gonna be as fun initially. It's not gonna be a matter of, oh, I'm just gonna study for 30 minutes. Like, no, you're gonna be working for 30 minutes, mm -hmm. but you will get so much more out of it and you'll have to study less as a result. So true, like I feel like the benefits of active learning, like it's a lot harder, but the trade-off in how much more effective it is, is like, it's like crazy, right? Like someone may say they're studying for eight hours a day or something, it's like pretty likely they're probably doing a lot of passive studying, right? But if you're doing Definitely. active studying, you can probably do the same amount in like two hours or three hours or, or maybe less or a little bit more, right? It really, really condenses the amount of time you have to study for, but it's hard, right? So people have to build the discipline to do it. You really got to be like, you got to, you got to be committed to doing it. Absolutely. It's very hard to actually do active learning for a full day. Mm -hmm, so agree. when people say that they're studying 10 to 12 hours, it's, you have to ask yourself, okay, how efficiently are you really studying? Could you be doing the same amount of work in less time? Right. That reminds me of um, a concept in deep work where I believe um, Cal said that another psychologist, I believe it was by Anders Ericsson. Have you heard the name? I have not. Okay. I think he said that the maximum upper limits of deep work and deep work is like doing really active learning and work, right? And, um, the the maximum upper limits of deep work in a day is around four hours. And that's like someone who's really good at it. Yeah, I remember Cal Newport was talking about this in his book where right. he was suggesting beginners, you can only do like an hour tops and, and right. experts are doing a couple hours, you know, four hours a day. Right, because it's really, it's really straining on the brain, right? Right, absolutely. But I think it's the, the cool thing is it's also like a skill you can develop. So like the more you do it, the better you can get at doing it and the the longer you can do it for. So, you know, that there's a lot of hope out there. Like you can do it and like you should be doing it. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. So my third tip would mm -hmm. be, this is kind of unconventional, but care less what people think. Right. So how is that going to help me with studying? Well, I think a lot of time we care too much how other people are studying, what other people are doing. If we should be going out and having fun, what people are going to think, oh, I'm such a loser because I'm studying on a Friday night, whatever it is. But as I've been getting older, it is so liberating to not care what people think. I, you know, I wear one of those ridiculous hats when I go hiking. I carry around a lunchbox when right. I'm at school. And doing what you want to do for whatever reasons, as long as you're not hurting anyone, it should be fine. Like, I think I, I totally agree with this idea. And I was actually debating putting it as one of my hacks too, right? I was I was going to base it off your video, you know, the subtle art of not giving a fart. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the, subtle, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, right? And um, 
It's so true. I think uh, that was an important lesson for me. Like you can't pay attention to how well someone's doing or how poorly someone's doing or how much more they're studying or less they're studying or what they're doing on the weekends. I think, you know, this is just an important lesson for life and um, not just school, just to learn like what's important to you and what's what makes the most sense to you and what's right for you. And then executing on the things that will get you there instead of uh, comparing yourself to others. Because we don't know everyone else's story, right? Like what's going on in their home life or, you know, who who their dad was. Maybe he was, maybe both of their parents were engineers. And so they like grew up knowing a lot of engineering concepts. So now they're also a really smart student, right? Like we don't know everyone's backstory. So it doesn't make sense to compare. I don't know. Definitely. It's incredibly liberating too when you realize that you shouldn't be really caring about these things that are out of your control. I agree. Because... At the end of the day, the only competition you really have is with yourself. You want to be improving yourself on a daily basis. And you can only really get there when you care less about what other people think. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, the great thing about not caring what others think is you're not afraid to fail as much. And I think embracing failure is a key step in becoming successful. Right. If you embrace failure, you're able to learn from your mistakes, you're able to, you know, hit the ground and then bounce back up with even more energy and accomplish your goals with increased vigor. By not caring what people think, you don't care that, hey, you know, I I attempted to do this and I, I fell short, people are going to laugh at me. Those things just don't even occur to you. You're doing what you want to do for your own sake. Can you talk about a time where you failed and um, like you, you didn't care what people think so it helped you? Like I'll, I'll start with mine. So I think just putting out content all the time on YouTube, right? Like sometimes people agree with it or they don't. But <clears throat> I actually, I try not to care both ways. Like I don't, I try not to care if people love it. Like I love that people love it, but I try not to pay attention to the love and to the hate because I think it, you can't just ignore the hate and receive the love, right? Or you can't just receive the love and ignore the hate. I think you have to ignore both and kind of just maybe take, like look at them critically and be like, hmm, does the person have a good point that they're making? Or, or do they have a hidden agenda? Are they biased or something like that? And so um, I may put out a video and people may not may not like it, but I, I try not to care what people think both ways. And that, that allows me to keep executing and then finding out what works for me and what works for the audience and like to keep keep going, right? That's great because your, your happiness, your self-worth, et cetera, your opinion of your, your work and engineering worth as a whole is intrinsic. It's not coming from external sources. Right. I, I don't want to put I don't want to put that burden on them or have that. I don't want to carry that weight on me. I don't want to because because I'm a human being. Right. I'm going to change. So you may love the video I make today, but then I might make a video tomorrow and you might not like it. Right. And if I'm focused on you loving me and like leaving a good comment or something, then the next video that comes out that you don't like, then I'm going to be hurt by what you say. Right. But if I ignore both sides, but not totally ignore, right? Just still just making sure that maybe they are making a good point, something I need to change or focus on. But just like trying to tune that noise out a little more helps me get into tune with why I'm doing it and to like keep keep doing it for myself while trying to help others. That's a great point. I I personally derive a great deal of entertainment and satisfaction even from reading the troll comments <laughs> because they're just so funny half the time. But you're right. When when someone does have, when someone is touched by your work, that that's what makes it all worth it, right? Right. That's the best feeling. But at the same time, you can't let it get to your head. You can't let your head blow up. So, right. let me talk about a time where I failed. Okay. Uh, right when I started med school, because I had such bad study habits from college. Mm-hmm. College also, I was I was a neuroscience major, so 
it was less about memorizing and much yeah. more about understanding difficult concepts. So I remember I had like one course where we literally just talked about action potentials and we got so into the nitty gritty of action potentials and neurons. Hold on. I'm like so rusty on biology. Is that like, you know, when you move a muscle, the sodium, potassium, that thing? Or exactly. Yeah. So okay. anytime a neuron fires an action Woo! potential, that's how like you send signals right. between, you know, from your brain or just to your, to your muscles or, or whatever. And so we're just usually they cover this in, you know, a couple of days, but we had a full right. 10 week course Holy. on this. So a lot of neuroscience was just a matter of understanding difficult concepts. How do you apply them to different situations, et cetera. So when I got to med school, med school concepts aren't very difficult, but you're just mm-hmm. learning such an immense amount of information so incredibly fast. Right. And during my first test, I didn't fail, but I definitely didn't do as well as I was expecting. And in, in my mind, that was not okay. That was subpar. That was, that was a failure in my head. Yeah. And I learned from that. I said, okay, my studying's not working. So I went to the, they have this resource for learning at my med school and they had some different, different, you know, handouts and, um, counselors that could help you with your study habits, your study routines, et cetera. So I spent some time doing that and I learned about active learning. I learned about flashcards. I learned about these different ways to improve my studying and then the next block, which was cardiology, I ended up setting the curve. And that just made me feel so good. I said, okay, here's this bad thing. Let me take that as a learning experience and not make the same mistake again and improve myself. So it's times like these where, okay, if I just got down on myself and said, oh man, I'm like, uh, I didn't do so well. I'm such a failure. My friend did better than me. Um, you know, people are going to look at me in a certain way. I wouldn't be able to make something positive out of it. So that's why I think it's so important to not really care what people think. Do what you're doing for you. Right. No, I like that. Because uh, I know the first time I went into engineering as well, and I think this happens for a lot of college students, like that first semester is so different and so difficult compared to what you did in high school that you just end up getting your ass kicked, right? Like I think I had a 2.6 GPA or something that first semester, which like for me was such a hit because like I was an A student in high school. And then like so many students so many students drop out or they get depressed or disappointed because they don't perform to their own expectations, right? I think that's another thing to add. Like, it's not about just not giving a fuck about what other people think, but sometimes you have to not give a fuck about what you think right now too, right? Like maybe you have these expectations of who you should be or where you should be. And I think sometimes these are limiting, right? So I think, you know, if I had a tip for the students, it'd be to like adopt the growth mindset, which was like coined by Carol Dweck, and it's essentially that you, essentially if I boil it down, it's that you can learn anything, right? A lot of kids grow, grow up thinking that certain traits are fixed, right? Like you're a smart, if, you, if people called you smart growing up, like that's who you are and they attach their identity to that, right? And people who are dumb, they think they're dumb um, their whole lives. And like if you have the fixed mindset, that's what you think. And then students, you know, who grow up in a school system that keeps telling them you're smart, you're smart, you're smart. And, um, you know, they have this idea of who they are and then they take that blow in college that that affects their sense of self and their identity. And so, like, I would encourage students to if you do feel like that and you take that hit to to adopt the growth mindset and to like to learn about that some more. Don't be limited by what people told you um, you are or what you think you are. You can always grow in like any activity and learn to be better just by practicing it. Absolutely. What do you think? I love the whole growth mindset versus fixed mindset discussion. And a lot of that comes down to, like you said, it's our upbringing. And they say 
parents should not praise children for being smart. They should praise them for trying hard. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of one way you can instill growth versus fixed mindset. But hey, you know, we're, we're older now. We can't really go back and change our upbringing. Right. So it's important to figure out how you perceive any shortcomings that you have and understanding that you can change them. I like, I totally, I was the worst public speaker. I hated public speaking. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of weeks ago, I presented to the University of California president, Janet Napolitano, and it went amazing. It was like the best presentation of my life. And that's because I've been working on it, understanding that, hey, I can get better at this if I keep working at it. Not that, hey, I'm a bad public speaker. I was born this way. I'm just blah, blah, blah. I get nervous up there, whatever it is. It's about understanding that you can change what you want to change. You can go to the gym, you can get stronger. You can practice Pomodoro technique, work on your focus. You can do deep work, get better at concentrating, right? Same thing with anything else in life. If if you're used to being an A student in high school and you struggle in college, that's okay. That just means you need to figure out what's not working and address that. That doesn't mean that you're a failure. That doesn't mean that you can't do what you initially set out to do. Sometimes you'll fall short of your own expectations, but you have to understand that you can get back up. Right. So I like that point. And I think that 99% of things like are truly like you can change them into your life. It's just a fact of making that switch and realizing that you can do it. Right. And a good example is kind of what I did on YouTube. So first of all, like I never thought I was going to be a blogger or a YouTuber or any of those things. Right. I just started doing it. And then I started to gain a little bit of an audience. And I wouldn't say my animations are actually that good right now. But like I do get compliments on them and I never thought of myself as an animator. But now I feel like I could get better and better in that skill. And the only reason I didn't think I couldn't do it before is because I never tried. And I kind of just I just grew up thinking like that's not me. Like I don't do animations or I don't I don't speak like I don't know how to speak online about like certain concepts and like explain things to students. But then I just did it one day and started getting better. And that kind of opened me up to thinking like, hey, I can actually do this. And like, it's empowering me in other areas of my life too. Like, I feel like I really can do anything. I just have to make the switch and like be dedicated to working on that skill and like growing better at it. I love it. Spot on. I think a good note to end on is what what is one thing that you would tell yourself if you were starting university again or college? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me take a moment to think about that. Sure. Have you heard that Steve Jobs quote that you can never connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. Right. Yeah. I would explain that to, you know, pre-college Jay, because there were some obstacles, some challenges that I faced. And in the moment, you wish that those challenges weren't there. You want to wish them away. You feel slighted, you feel things are unfair, whatever. But again, now looking back that I can connect the dots, I would not change a thing that happened because each of those obstacles, each of those moments, and everyone has these, everyone's going to be faced with challenges or obstacles of various kinds. Each one of those are just an opportunity to grow, to improve, to challenge yourself, to push yourself further. And understanding that would have made those challenges easier to endure. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the first episode of the Engineering Worth podcast, Jay. It was a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much, Justin. It has been a pleasure. And that concludes the first episode of the Freedom and Thought podcast. So what did you think? Let me know in the comments. If you're listening to it on iTunes, I'd appreciate if you would give it a rating because it makes a huge difference. As always, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.